cards. Jesus is alive. He is alive. These three simple words sum up our entire faith story. Jesus is alive. And because Jesus is alive, our cups will never truly be empty. Because God's grace will never run dry. Thank the Lord. We need grace. We need God's new mercies every minute, every hour, every day. Scripture tells us that God's mercies are new every day. Sometimes I don't make it to the new mercies in the morning. Sometimes I'm like, Lord, rain some new mercies down on me this moment. A few weeks ago, we heard the story of Jesus and the woman at the well. And I remember the first time that I heard the story of Jesus meeting that woman that he had sought out, I thought, how can Jesus give her living water and she'll never be thirsty again? I was being very literal in my hearing of God's word, and she seemed to know what he was talking about. She begged for this living water. She was speaking about the living waters of grace, just like I pray for new mercies every minute she knew that once she knew Jesus, once she accepted the gift of Jesus' grace, that she would never be truly thirsty again because God's grace would be available to her. Jesus is alive. God's grace will never run dry. Jesus is the fountain of that grace, and he is alive. There are so many days when this world frustrates us. There are so many days that we feel like Mary trudging toward the tomb. All is lost. All is dark. Everything frustrates us. There are so many times when we are overwhelmed by the circumstances that surround us and we feel the effects of that emotional inflammation that we talked about a couple of weeks ago. But today, today, we are reminded that there is a cure for all of that. Today, we are reminded that there is water available, endless water, to put out any fires in our lives. Today, we are reminded that nothing can steal our joy from us. Today, we are reminded of God's minute-by-minute minute mercy. Today, we are reminded that we are Easter people and that the risen Jesus has come to rescue us. And you might say, I don't feel very rescued, Pastor. Well, you're here. And I say that that's proof in itself that you have been rescued. Today, we remember that Jesus is alive. He was alive when Mary walked to the tomb. She didn't feel it. She didn't know it. How do we remember? How do we remember that Jesus is alive? What is our proof that Jesus is alive in our lives? What is our story? How do we live it? 
Mary knew that he said he was going to rise again. Today we read of her as she arrived at the tomb of, of the Christ while the world was still dark and while her heart was still darkened by deep grief. He had told them that he would die. He had told them that that was his cup to bear. He had told them all of these things would happen and he had kept his word. He was gone. There are two Easter mornings. The morning where Mary walked and then the rest of the story. Mary's grief tells the story of her misunderstanding of the totality of God's story. Mary's story at this moment in scripture did not reflect her understanding of a living God. She thought all had been lost, all had been taken, all had been stolen. The very savior had been stolen. She ran and got the other disciples. They would have to see to believe. And they ran back. And when they saw, when they looked in, when they saw the cloths, they saw the empty tomb. And it, scripture says they believed. They saw and believed. But she remained crying. She still didn't see it. She still didn't understand it. The other disciples saw and believed, but she didn't yet. And isn't that our stories with God? Maybe our parents see it and believe, and then they tell us, and, and we go through that period of, ah, I don't know, I'm not sure. Your family can believe, and you can struggle. Your faith-filled friends can believe, and you can question and doubt. It's only when you have a personal experience with Jesus that you can truly believe. And so we find Mary weeping outside of the empty tomb. In the presence of God, she's crying until she hears the sound of his voice. Each of the disciples needed something different. Each of the disciples were filled with the emptiness left behind by Jesus' death. And God, praise God, he met each of them exactly where they needed him to. For some, like Peter, he just needed to see the empty tomb to believe, to see the linen, you know, with no body to believe. For Mary, she needed to hear his soft whisper. Mary, she believed. For Thomas, later, he would need to see and touch for himself to believe. God knows us. God meets us where we are. God fills the emptiness inside of each of us that only God can. That is the grace that won't run dry. That is the living water that the woman at the well asked for. That love, that understanding, the fact that God knows each of us so intimately that he knows what we need to believe, whether it be to see, to hear, or to touch. These moments of grace that we've been talking about are all evidence of God's endless grace and love for us. These moments of grace when God sees our needs and fulfills it in a way that will reach us personally. When God sees and understands that we need 
to see him to believe or to hear him to believe or to touch him to believe. I've prayed that prayer where I've said, listen, listen, Lord, I don't know where you're at. Not sure where you've gone, but I need, I need to see you. I need to. And God has always been faithful. He has sent someone to me. He has showed himself in a way that has been remarkable. And I believe. But I've been honest. God, this is what I need. God meets each of us to remind us that Jesus is alive. And because he lives, we live. We have discussed how God uses our own brokenness, not to belittle us or discourage us, but to show God's own strength because his strength is shown through our weakness. God sees us and knows us, all of us. We talked about the woman at the well. She needed to be searched for. She needed Jesus to come and find her, to seek her out, and then when he met her, she needed to not be shamed and named for her story, the worst parts of her story. She needed to be known and loved. And that's what God did. That was the grace that could fill her so that she could run back. An entire village would come to know him because of her. We've talked about how God pieces back together the broken pieces of our lives and makes them beautiful in a new way, just as a master potter does with a broken piece. Sometimes things have to break in order to be restored. And when we have been restored, then we have a story to tell, just like she did. Sometimes, though, when we have our, our personal moment with Jesus, when we know that that God is really God, God is really there, and God is really listening, we get overwhelmed, and we want to grab onto that moment and freeze that moment, just like Mary tries to do outside the tomb. She tries to grab Jesus and hold on to him, and he says, wait, wait, wait. Not because he didn't want her to touch him necessarily, but think of the imagery. Mary wanted to seize that moment with Jesus. He says, don't, don't hold on to me. Not, not for yourself. Go and tell the others that I am alive. That's what we're called to do. We're called to have our own experience with Jesus. We're called to understand what God has offered us. We're called to understand the forgiveness that we're given, that we have been reconciled with God, the creator of the universe, the Father Almighty, the most gracious God. We are called to understand the fulfillment that we're offered, this new life eternal, and then we're called to go. We're not supposed to hold that understanding for ourselves. We're supposed to do just as Mary did. We're supposed to go and tell others our story. We're called to share how Jesus has changed our lives and filled our cups. We are called to tell others that Jesus is indeed alive. She could have been embarrassed by her story. 
She could have said, I was standing right next to him. I thought he was the gardener. You ever have that moment where you just don't even recognize God's in the building? And he's like, hello, I'm right here. She could have been embarrassed by that, but she ran back and she said, no, 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 I saw him. I was standing right next to him. He was real. He was there. He's alive. She got to run and tell others. We are participants in the greatest story of all time. Today is our story because it's his story. You know, it's funny about the story. Others thought they had written his final chapter. They thought they had sealed it up nice and neat behind that rock, behind that giant stone. Wouldn't you have loved to have been there? As the Romans who stood at their post, guarding the body of Jesus the Christ when the, when the rock rolled away, when the stone broke, because that wasn't the end of his story. Death would not hold him. The grave would not keep him. Death would not write the final chapter for God's people. We are living proof of a living Christ. And our faith stories are testimonies to God's work in Jesus and God's work in us. You have survived 100% of your worst days. Praise God. Now, what will we do with our stories? Will we continue to present ourselves to Christ knowing that we need new mercies every single day, every single moment? Knowing that only God can fill up any emptiness that we carry? Will we freely accept God's grace and then become a channel of that grace so that others can know? Will we go and tell our stories how can we be like the woman at the well, accepting all of our own imperfections and knowing that Jesus sought us out, loved us, and that Jesus died for us? How can we be like Mary, seeing the resurrected Christ, recognizing him for who he was to her, and then going and telling others her story? How are we being called to move? like living water through this community until every inch of it is covered and all know that he is alive. How are we being called to tell others that Jesus is alive? He is indeed alive. That is the question for us because we are the people of Easter. And all God's people said,